Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29 of Peach Troops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'm here with Glenn Willis. We're recording on a Sunday night. We're, we're flirting with Monday morning uh, because uh, the Hawks-Bulls game went to overtime. So even though it was supposed to end early, we started at 6.30. We are uh, dragging late into the night here, Glenn. They put it into your sweet spot anyway. You you like a, a leader tip, don't you, normally? <laughs> yeah. Fun um, game, though. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm still flabbergasted by uh, the things that took place in overtime, and you've had more of a chance to uh, go back and pour over video than me to this point. So uh, what what can you summarize from, from what you saw from an X's and O's standpoint from the last – two, three minutes of regulation and from overtime. Well, the, the, the last few possessions of overtime are the ones I spent the most time on. Okay. Um, so, and I felt a little bit of this on Twitter, but kind of take the last three, so which was like a whole second. <laughs> to take 10 minutes to talk about one second of game time or whatever it is we're going to take. Um, Hawks came down, tie game, uh, went without a timeout. And yep. basically ran, as I put it on Twitter, the uh, boss on Isaiah Thomas set that he always liked. Um, Isaiah always called it four flat. Um, the Hawks kind of shifted a little bit, so it's not exactly four flat, but it's basically the same idea. And they shifted the extra bodies away from the left elbow with Trey, a right-handed shooter, is going to want that space just to the left of the um, free throw line, just like Isaiah Thomas in his days with Boston liked the space on the right side of the left-hander. So they just cleared that space out for him and let him go to work, which was, I mean, at the, at the time, it felt like, I don't know how you felt about it, but it felt like a little bit curious of a choice. I guess there's two sides to it. One is, at the end of games, teams just normally cleared out for their best player. That That's kind of standard in the NBA. But on the other side, Trey's not been shooting the ball well. He didn't shoot the ball well, the ball well overall uh, in this game. Um, but going go back to the other side, that – tends to not really matter in the NBA. They still tend to give their best player a chance to kind of make a play at the end. But um, I was feeling a little uneasy when they were just kind of rolling with letting Trey kind of create his own shot there. Not because I don't trust in his talent, you know, or anything like that at all. It's just because he's been struggling so much. Like, how, how are you feeling on that possession when you saw them kind of setting up for that? Man, it, it's all kind of a blur. Uh, I was trying to do my stuff for Bally, so I'm just kind of – observing it did feel a little bit like if he'd had sort of like the same quote-unquote momentum that he had in the first half that it might have been a little bit of an odd choice but in the second half he had gotten things on track a little bit right so agreed. i i think i think maybe that might have factored into it because it seems like in the fourth quarter he had done you know a little bit of shot making to build his confidence yeah, it makes sense. And then he also, that, that's when he got his free throws too, late in the game, which can help a little bit as well. So, yeah, I'm, I don't, I'm not criticizing at all. I'm just kind of sharing how I was feeling in the moment. I was like, do we win on something for Bogey here? You know, Bogey had another really, really good game. And then on the other end, I went back and watched the play to see, like, could I see anything that was flawed in the Hawks coverage when DeRozan got fouled by Bogey? That I was like, is there something they did that put Bogey in a bad spot to have to close out awkward? And they were that that possession was clean defensively, apart from just him brushing that elbow. They were switching everything, and Justin and Clint handled the switch on the baseline, 
where Justin ended up catching Zooch and Clint ended up catching Levine. Oh, no, that wasn't Levine. I can't remember who that, who that was on the other side. Um, oh, I guess it was Levine on the other side down there. And then um, was it AJ and Boogie up high? Uh, executed the switch up high. And Jalen was on the inbound pass. I think it was, I'm pretty sure that was AJ and Bogey. And the switches were clean. The plan was clear. It was on plan. No, no, none of the four players on the floor for the Bulls got any separation from any meaningful separation from their defender. And so they were Hawks were on it. Bogey closed out and just caught the elbow, which I mean, that happened. You, you know, so in hindsight, being 2020, you're like, oh, just let him shoot it. We're not just going to make that, but. Your instinct there as a player is going to be to get a hand up in his face at least. Buggy just mismeasured it, it seemed like to me. Yeah. Um, kind of going along with that, what did you think of sort of some of the late game personnel decisions? Because I think one that stuck out to me was you know, 8.7 seconds left. The Hawks are up by one i guess in regulation mm-hmm. so it's like eight eight nine seconds left uh they take trey out they take aaron holiday out put capella in trent forest in but i'm not sure that and and god bless aj griffin for making that shot at the end but if it's up to me i think i have onyeka kongu in there uh for aj griffin on that possession yeah, I think that's true. I mean, if if you feel like you, he's prepared to to do what it is you're going to ask him to do on that possession, yeah, um, you know, and it, and it, to me, it still feels like they shy away from the playing any time on the floor with Clint. Lately, they've done a little bit when they've been in zone, and they just on offense they just park Nick in the right corner typically on those possessions, right? Right. Um, and so it just seems to me like they're not really preparing him. To, to play there at all at least at least i've been harping on this when the other team has a free throw shooter at the line and the hawks are going to for sure call a timeout at least tonight they had Clint and yucca in the uh rebound the free throw together which that's is right first yep. time this year that's happened so that's that's progress i guess but i i mean i i you know we we talk about it i, I don't want to get this i, I thought the Kamal's pitching set did a great job overall in this game i was curious about a few things there but um yeah, that's, I think it's always going to be the case. And I always like to say they're NBA coaches. I'm not, you know. Um, but um, but for me, it's like, you know, here we are in year three. Can we get him at least in special situations prepared to kind of do some of these things? I, I personally, I'd like to see that. Yes. Um, but clearly Especially once you know that John Collins is going to be out for a while. It just seems like, and I know the schedule has <laughs> been crazy since he has gone out. But right. He's a he's a mature basketball player. He has a birthday today, so I guess we can quote. He's twenty twenty two. Is that right? Maybe. I think he's twenty two today. So like, that's I, I mean, that's what I think. Is, yeah. His third season. Like, I I feel like it's time. Like, not because it's anything that you want to do a whole lot of, but like, you know, it's it's he's a sophisticated enough basketball player that he can handle some things on the defensive end and communicate through whatever switches and help that they need to do. Like he, he should be able to do this by now. I feel like. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And and with last time we recorded, I talked about the fact that in Indiana, it was basically year three before Nate would really play Sabonis and Turner yeah. together yeah. at all. And, and, and on that team, those were two of his three best players, you know, which is, you know, which is the Hawks at Clinton. You have to aren't two of the 
three Hawks best players, uh, two of their best, I don't know, five or six. I don't know what the right number is. I think we don't get into that right here, but um, depending on who's healthy and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it just uh, I I think it's I think it's, it seems like it should be in play to me. But that's that's my. How much do you feel has changed on offense now that we've had? Uh, we we've seen Bogdan Bogdanovich back for a week now, and you, we've seen him get through some games that aren't just necessarily the uh, the ramp up games. It feels like he's a uh, a key contributor at this point that they're leaning on. Yeah, I mean his natural ability and interest in moving without the ball is is creating more good constructive stuff. I think out there. And, and and to me, it looks like Trey has a little bit more rhythm uh, with that with that too. But they ran a lot of four or five double drag tonight. Yeah, uh, and then there's some three five along the way too. But basically, they were getting Hunter into the mix there, and Hunter played a lot of four in the fourth quarter in this game. And, and the offensive flow with Hunter at the four was good. I I know I keep telling people I don't think playing Hunter as a primarily at the four is a feasible plan. But I said before I, I love what he gives them offensively at the four. I just don't think playing him defensively at the four is a thing to do. That's another part of the conversation. But having Bogey and AJ together, even though AJ's not really making shots, apart from the most important ones, I guess, uh, right now. Uh, but, I mean, tonight, AJ was, what, like two for ten for three or something like that. But, man, once he got inside the three-point line, he was still solid decision-maker, got to good shots, you know, kind of, you know, hit and miss, kind of inside the arc there. Um, and then, then Bogey, it's like, you know, the guy could, you know, 10 years after he leaves the NBA, he could come back in a pinch and probably give you, you know, four out of eight threes <laughs> standing in the corner when he's like 50 years old or something like that, you know. But no, I, I think I think the spacing is there. The one play I loved that was called about two minutes to go regulation was um, they brought, they put AJ and Hunter on the right down toward the right corner. Had AJ come up to the top, Trey was right in the middle, top of the key. AJ did a, what was he called, touch screen, just kind of touched the clear Trey's defender, cleared that right corner, emptied that right corner, and then brought DeAndre up. Trey went about three or four steps to his right, so it wasn't dead center. And basically got an empty corner, one four pick and roll. Vooch was the low man on the left baseline, and Trey got to the rim before Vooch either had any interest in getting there or could get there. And so, like, the mobility Hunter has and the fluidity – and, I mean, Hunter moves in and out of screens really well. And and he, uh, on that play, he started to dive toward the rim after he set that screen and had the wherewithal to stop about one step below the free throw line is to not take an extra defender down towards where Trey was trying to operate towards the backboard. So, I mean, I, I think they have with A.J., Hunter, and Bogey – Knock on wood, if those three guys are all healthy for a while, um, I think they have more to more offensive punch, you know, in those groupings than they've had at any point this season. And it'll be interesting to see kind of what the rotation looks like when when Dejounte gets back and how they make that all make that all work. I don't I don't know who's be back first, JC or Dejounte. I guess we don't know. It's hard to know probably for us, right? Um, but. Bogey's ball handling and creation and just his maturity and level-headedness um, and his confidence to uh, not need a lot of space to get a shot up is, I think, it's brought a lot. Um, it was a light, it's been a lifesaver these last few games, you know, 
for sure. And hopefully it keeps uh, helping. I do think it's an adjustment for AJ because AJ has, up until Bogey's return, been kind of the first guy they're looking to be spotting up off the ball, kind of running a play for him to kind of get him a shot or whatever. That's normal. You know, when he's on with Bogey, he's going to be a little bit more standing in the corner and not being the, in the primary action as often. Right. Um, so that's an adjustment for him. I think that's why he's not making as many shots. But, but yep. yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think I think it's I think things are going to start improving for the offense soon. I think they already have a little bit. I think the results will start to improve soon with with all this with uh, Bogey plus AJ being in the in the mix there. Plus Hunter now back too as of tonight. All right, I've got like some. You you mentioned so many things in that response. I've got like Sorry. three things that I want to play off of that. So I guess yeah. one's just a comment that uh, you know, in that starting lineup. I thought it was interesting. I mean, it's it was just more a byproduct. I think that you know they wanted Hunter on DeRozan, but you know basically we got to see AJ Griffin starting as the you know guarding a power forward when those two starting lineups were matched up. Um. But you have a question, or you had a tweet about, you know, playing Clint, Jalen Johnson, and DeAndre Hunter together that you just mentioned. And so you, you think that, you know, Hunter kind of works as the four on offense and then as 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 sort of the three on defense and that Jalen can kind of fill in the gaps well there? I think so. I think Jalen's learning how to help with the rim. He's a really good rebounder. I think I think his rebounding is what makes him feel best about that lineup defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I think Hunter, um, is better helping from the uh, wing position down into the paint. He's such a good helper, one, one man away from the ball, you know, and I think if you put him at the four, you're, you're, you're taking some good support away from the three that he gives. I think, you know, right. so that, that's the way I would, I would stack that up. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I like that look too. It, it makes sense on paper. <laughs> I guess the one thing that would be a problem is that, you know, until you have John Collins come back, like you're, if you put those three together, you're going to be starved for defensive rebounds in the rest of your lineup. Because yeah, I mean that that would re- that would require you play more JT plus with the Congo together, which presumably yeah. would help would help the Congo rebound better. So right. I I think there's a trade off that works there as well. Um, you know, you have to see how that went offensively. If, you know, but. I, I think it's worth. I, mean, I think there's enough, so much offensive juice there, at least until John, hopefully, starts making threes again. But even Hunter, his pace in and out of movements is just, it's just quicker, um, um, and and there's a little bit more fluidity there. Um, so, but I mean, they don't have to play DeAndre at the four to do that stuff. They can, they can run him into that screen extra three too. It's just that all the stuff the Hawks run is, is more, a more natural. Uh, set of roles when DeAndre's at the four to kind of get him in, in more there. When you were talking about A.J. Griffin a, a minute ago, you know, that he had a rough night from three but shot well from two, it reminded me that one of the things I've wanted to ask you about recently is sort of the A.J. Griffin step-in that's become kind of prevalent. Like, uh, you know, he, he gets a pass swung to him. He's maybe open for a second, but there's a closeout coming, and his natural motion to deal with that closeout a lot of times is to just sort of pump fake, let the closeout fly by and and take one dribble into a two-point shot where I think some people want to see sort of maybe like a, a one-dribble sidestep move that 
that keeps him behind the three-point line. But I was wondering what you thought about all of that. Well, I mean, I I, I think generally people who get frustrated with the shot, like one foot in, one foot out, you know, kind of three-point line, I, I understand that frustration. But when it comes to attacking closeouts, a lot of it depends on the angle of the guy, the angle and the speed of the guy coming with the closeout, right? Mm-hmm. It, um, like bogey is bogey is awesome at relocating back behind a three point line, right? Right. Uh, AJ has shown a sidestep, you know, but what we haven't seen, for example, just comparing the and bogey's a veteran, bogey's been playing forever, bogey is awesome at this stuff. Is bogey will take two like a step and a half in, let the guy go by, and take that one half step back and get back there. AJ will be able to do that in no time, you know, in my mind, you know. So, um, but if, if his best rhythm is to take one dribble step in, it's like we were having a conversation, uh, you know, online earlier about DeAndre's one dribble step in. I have no problem with DeAndre's one dribble step in. I, one dribble step in. I have no problem with AJ's one dribble step in. If that's where their rhythm is, if that's where their confidence is, let them take that. In time, do you hope AJ can get like the full? sidestep, relocate backwards kind of game and all that sort of stuff, sure. But I don't have any problem with the way AJ is seeking out shots right now at all. None. Yeah, I, I, I concur with every word of that wholeheartedly. That all sounds about about right to me. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Bogey on, on offense. Where where do you think Bogdan Bogdanovich is on defense at this point? <laughs> oh, I mean, I think he's – I think when he gets winded, it's bad. I think it's really bad. In terms of on ball, I should say, the team stuff is still solid. The communication is still solid, um, and and lately, the last game or two, they've been doing more of the get into a zone when they're smaller and or bogeys playing the say the the last half of his stretch for whatever it's going to be and stuff like that. But I, you know, I mean, it was really rough his first few games. Really rough. Today was better, you know, and 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 how. Coming off of surgery, where are my expectations for when he's all the way back to game shape, not on the minutes restriction? That may or may not be real. <laughs> um, you know, I I mean, I just trust him as a solid decision maker, team defender, communicator. But, you know, for me, kind of having him out there with Trey against other teams starting lineups, like to the best offensive team, that's rough. Yeah. Right now, to me. So it's, it's like... For me, it's like one of those things as a coach. It's like, how do you put enough good defensive help around him, you know, to, to offset some of the downside there until he, at least until he's as, as recovered as he's going to get from a kind of a defensive standpoint this year after the surgery. Yeah, there was there was one tonight where you know he was kind of split between. Uh, he was in the weak side corner, and so he's he's trying to keep an eye and be in the, be the help with the rim. But he also, you know, was trying to deal the the pass was made, and he was trying to deal with the closeout on the corner shooter. And like, not only did he not really close out, but he barely got his head turned to look at the shooter. And it's like, oh my goodness, like that. It almost felt like a a mental thing or speed of the game thing. Like I I I was surprised that he was that slow reacting to, to even sort of look at where the ball was. Like, I don't know. I, I, I'm a little bit nervous, but I do think it's gotten better from, from where it was, uh, you know, a week ago. So I'm sure yeah, there's plenty, be- of, plenty of time for, for that to improve. And I, I agree with you that, 
you know, he's played some very long stints. Uh, I think Friday night he he played an unbelievably long stint that was more than a quarter. Uh, which is is a lot for somebody who's uh, just barely coming back and they, they busted up his, uh, his minutes restriction for the second time in three nights. So yeah, they're, they're, they're giving him a a big responsibility to shoulder at this point. Yeah. I mean, I kind of get it. It's a critical stretch of the season. They're missing guys and Hunter's first being back. And today was a tough one too, overtime. I think before we kind of, I close out Bobby's defense. The worst, I think, area right now is changing direction, which shouldn't surprise us, right? Changing direction is brutal <laughs> right now for him. But that's why I like the switching on that last play, even though he created the foul. The switching is not doesn't him chasing someone across a long distance and need to stop and potentially kind of start back in the other direction and things like that. So, you know, it, that's where coaches have to really kind of think uh, scheme and, and all of that is is good. So um, hopefully they put some solid stuff scheme wise, lineup wise, all that sort of stuff. So we, we haven't covered the last play. I, I mean, honestly, I I'm still flabbergasted that the essentially that the Hawks would have might have lost this game if Bogdanovich didn't put a shot, you know, from behind the backboard, a desperation shot because he just had nowhere to go. He's going out of bounds, and he he put it over the top of the backboard and in, and they probably just lose if he doesn't make that. But yeah, let's talk about that. The design of that final play, uh, there was, you know, they 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 set up uh, sort of a feint for AJ Griffin as if he was wow. There's my dog. Okay, uh, you know, making a baseline cut to the corner, and then he just kind of gives a little nudge and reverses course. <laughs> yeah. So uh, someone brought it to my attention at Half Court Hoops. Uh, I subscribe to to their work. Do a lot of great like detailed long breakdowns and stuff so um but apparently frank uh had uh or sorry joe printy had ran this play like seven years ago um a little different setup but it was kind of the same concept and what we should also say they put the team out there one time with trey's inbound passer um which looked uh challenging i think vooch was on him it's like how's trey to get the ball in but so they reset it with Jalen as the inbounder Trey sets the screen for AJ. Trey collects DeRozan uh, after the switch. Trey moves up towards Justin and Bogey, who were set up um, next to one another near Jalen. So DeMar had to chase over. Once Trey cleared Bogey, which was the first screen Trey would get, uh, Javante Green then had to kind of grab Bogey and not let Bogey get away and get separation. And then Levine had to be ready if Trey got all the way around and got separation from DeMar. So all that activity up top kind of collected everyone except for AJ and his guy at that point. Um, so, so which was Jones. Um, so AJ comes to the corner, and I should say that a lot of teams love to use that near side corner to get a shot up in short clock situations. It's a, a, an absolute go-to, probably the most common go-to there. AJ sells his momentum into the near corner, reverses course, gets uh, Derek Jones Jr. on his back. Jalen makes a beautiful pass, but AJ catches the ball as a back to the basket in already airborne. And when he caught that ball, I was like, that was a great pass, but this thing has no chance. Like, I mean, 
what is he doing? Throw it over his shoulder, like you know, blind, you know. What and he uh his balance, I mean, was is and Derek Jones Jr. is a long, long, lengthy defender. Yeah. Two minutes earlier, Jones had like just straight out just out jumped Capella for a rebound, which how often do you see that? Like how many like it wasn't and Capella didn't miss time his jump. Jones just went above Capella and got it, which is yeah. like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, we all remember Toronto, the full court play in what like less than three seconds, I think it was. And AJ didn't flub that one. I mean, I mean, at, at me when I was like, even when I was nineteen and in my athletic prime and pickup, you know, I probably messed that up just under the pressure of like, you know, we're going to sit out the next three or four games if we lose this, you know, NBA floor, not even nineteen and a half. And then this one was, I mean, this had to be like what eight times as hard as that one, and had For maybe sure. more, probably a lot more. Yeah. Um, he was really fighting and trying was the clock. Right here, like man, just getting some orientation towards the rim, kind of getting it up, getting a little backspin on it, which is just so impressive. But uh, great play design. Joe Prunty did a great job. I know some people are making fun of Nate on Twitter for some reason for letting Joe Prunty sign that play. That happens all the time, not only in the NBA at all levels. Larry Bird coached three full seasons in the end and didn't draw a single play or defensive coverage, not one time. Rick Carlisle did all that work for him. For example, so you know, stop that stuff. But just a beautiful play design and the execution for Jalen, Jalen who barely played last year to make that pass, and AJ, like I said, who's not even nineteen and a half years old, dude. I just unreal, it's just uh, unreal. Yeah, it was it was pretty good post game. Uh, you know, I guess this I should say like the sequence. You know, always the coach first. So Nate came and did his presser. Uh, then Trey, and, and and so then AJ comes out next, and like you know he just hit the game winning shot, and you know he comes out in this like thick parka. He's basically just in get on the bus mode, like you know he's just <laughs> he's just so low key. He's just like here I am, I got my coat, I'm ready to go to Memphis, and uh, hey, does, did anybody have any questions they wanted to ask me before I go? Like it's just. <laughs> Just such a low key moment, and he's just all smiles. But it was just, I don't know. I was just like, that's that's, I don't know. It's sweet. Yeah, it is. And people were having fun with it being Sunday, and you know, AJ is, uh, and I'm not mocking him at all. But he's open about his Christianity, and which is great. People being proud of what they believe and all that sort of stuff. Support all that for sure. Uh, but there's probably a, a harmless joke, hopefully, in there about the first one he hit was his uh biological father this one he hit was on on sunday his spiritual you know the day of a spiritual father so there's maybe maybe some fun to be had and had in there too uh is there anything else you want to punch out from this one any any lingering things left from brooklyn because i think that's the game we haven't talked about or any any other trends from tonight or that you're looking forward to in the near future I, i i think the team today i thought fought on defense and this team generally wins game when they fight on defense and keep fighting on defense. Um, I, I thought, uh, you know, Trey played is trying to trying harder on defense. I think the offense is better. I think Trey, I think there's a lot less isolation, um, more movement. We talked about that earlier, you know, so some of that's bogey being back, I think, and today with Hunter being back. So I, I feel like I'm watching the team is trying to push in a healthier direction, better tendencies, better 
tent, you know, things like that. And we'll see if they stick with it. They, they certainly will miss Deshante and JC, but um, they keep fighting. And I have no idea what how what the how happy everyone is with one another right now, what the state is of you know camaraderie and all that sort of stuff. I don't need to speculate. But on the court, they look like a team who are trying to push toward better habits, better tendencies, more constructive stuff, and that makes us to see um, if results follow. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of optimistic, cautiously optimistic in, in that regard. So that's what I'm keeping my eye on. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's good. All right, well, uh, we'll have to do this again soon, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time tonight, Glenn. Thanks, Kevin.